Hey everyone, welcome to Living the Liminal, Braving the Edge podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. I am Christy Peck, an intuitive life coach, mentor to many, and writer and author. Beyond this podcast, I wrote a book about transformation and the journey to wholeness called Coming Home, A Love Story. You can find it on Amazon or my website at www.christypeck.com, along with a lot of other resources and ways to get in touch with me if you're interested or curious about what coaching can do for you. This podcast is a place, a conversation, a learning classroom. We talk and we share stories about what it means to live fully alive in the in-between. That pause can be truly frightening as hell and magically splendid at the same time. Authentically meeting our moments is what we are here for. And together, we can nourish our hearts and soul with creativity and adventure. I mean, come on, let's get messy here. Bold courage. Why don't we just go for it? Full-on emotions. Because why not? Your wild instinct and intuition that honestly often gets set aside in our busy lives. And of course, my favorite, inspiration. We really do need this lifeline. I am so glad you are here. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Living the Liminal this week. I'm so glad you're here. Um, We are in for a treat today. I just, I can't even say that anymore. Um, I have a guest here that I don't know very well, but the few minutes we were talking before the show even started, I was like, oh my gosh, I think we're best friends. Like (laughs) that's kind of how sometimes I feel. And I don't know if you feel like that too, when you just kind of have this energy where you meet people or even sometimes you feel it online too. And you just have this instant connection and you know that that's sort of orchestrated by something beyond you. And so you are in for a treat because I have been just like, like grabbing hold of everything she's written me and we're going to read it and then we're going to get into our conversation. So um, we have Kimberly Garner here today. She is a designer, writer, philosopher, and the founder of School of Holistic Design and the Life Plus Design Method, a results-oriented and integrative approach to home and human flourishing. I mean, that's powerful right there. Pioneering the field of neurospatial linguistics, her focus points to the duality of inner interior design, the human experience within the inner environment of the mind and the interior environment of the home. And alchemy occurs when the interior environment of home and the internal environment of the mind are addressed in unison with our desires. What unfolds is transformational. Learning what inspires others and what gets them excited about who they are is her driving passion. I think that's why we're going to have a great conversation today. (laughs) Kimberly's expertise lies in translating the language shared between the mind and the architectural spaces. She consults with clients using home as a platform for change, also with clients designers and architects during the design phase of building or remodeling. Kimberly, thank you so much for being here today. Oh my gosh, Christy, thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. 
I like still am getting chills after reading all that because, okay, so I'm not like a big history buff or, or museum buff, but I am a person who gets very inspired when I'm in places. So like in a museum or in a church or in a building or in someone's house, like something I'll see, or even in my own. And, and I'm going back to like, there's so much I want to talk to you about. My head is buzzing, but I'm going to go back here. I remember years ago when the whole joy of what's in your home and being able to keep and get rid of and how it has to bring you joy. That was such a relief for me. So I want you to share, how did this work find you? Because it's such an interesting intersection, the mind and your home. It is. And, and that piece of science too, right? Because there's there's science intertwined in this also. Epigenetics and neuroplasticity is so it's, and I, I just want to say that I feel like so much of science, especially now, has this commonality with the the timeless wisdom of the mystics and this language of our soul do you find that also like it i was just having this conversation with a group of people that it's like science has finally found a doorway or portal into what we have known for so long yes yes and it's not what we've known for so long it's the other stuff and now they're they're meeting in the middle and the middle is a good place it's great because people want science. And I find that specifically neuroscience is mm-hmm. really that that science of the soul, um, yeah. which is so fascinating because it's accessing people who typically maybe don't dive into soul and don't have a language for that. And so it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful gateway. It is because like too many, you know, you either have like your science buffs right? And they're all about the factual, the, the, the feedback, the research, what does it say? Is it provable? That sort of that evidence piece. And then you have the people who, when you say soul, right? They're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, that's that mystical piece. I'm, I'm ready to go down that spiritual path. I'm ready to talk about things beyond what we see, beyond what we know. And the two have never really been in the same space. And I love you love the word space. So they've never really been in the same space before. But when you start talking in this way, and we start to refine those aspects and pull them towards each other. Oh, magic, like magic. Yes. And don't you think it's, it's the magic because it's speaking to something that we already know it's true. It's like re-remembering and reunion. It's like, Yes. Oh, this is the part of me that I forgot. Like that's why yes. it, it works. And that's because it's because we are it. Well, and I think that like when, like I said, um, when it was all about having things in your home that bring you a feeling, right? So the feeling of joy or the feeling of peace. And I know when for me it was such a permission to be able to like pull in the outdoors in my house. And my family laughs at me because I'll be like, oh, I really want a brick wall one day. Like I want a wall that's all brick or I want metal. And, the, and, and they sort of laugh at me in that way because I want all those features around me. Like that makes me feel whole. So I think mm. you're right. It kind of taps and sparks a fire of your own wholeness that you weren't able to witness before. Yes, yes. And I love that you're bringing in the elements because 
when, when we're in a natural environment in nature, it's balanced, right? Mm -hmm. It has, it has this balance of elements. And so when we're in our own home and the more balanced we become, we naturally gravitate to having this balance in our space. So, and that's the one thing that's so much fun about our living environment is that it works both ways. It works outside in and inside out. And so what that means is, is that our home is reflecting and showing us Mm -hmm. where we're out of balance in our life. Yeah. And our home is also a platform. So if we're feeling out of balance in some area of our life, or if we're preoccupied and stressed about whatever it is, we can use our home to clean up that area so that we feel more peace inside. And so like each room in our house speaks to a different area of our life. And so our home is telling us where to look and our home is offering us a place to clean it up because there's a relationship between our environment, our external environment, and we're just speaking of our home, but also our internal environment. Like there's a relationship there and they communicate with each other. And so we're getting writ large in our home. We're getting to glimpse what's happening with that conversation, what's going on in our inner world and what's going on in our outer life. So how do we notice that? Because so often we get fixated on things breaking, falling apart, not working well, not feeling comfortable anymore, and things getting old and outdated. And how do we wrestle with to where we actually make the change in the external when you and I both know it's really a change on the internal. It's just sort of presenting itself in the external. That's right. So it's like a symptom, right? Like the symptom is showing up in our bedroom, but really it's so, so the bedroom, we'll just use the bedroom for an example. Um, So the bedroom is reflective of our intimate relationships and our intimate relationships are reflective of, of how well we self-love, how well we receive love, right? Because we're only able to receive the love that we allow, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. our relationships are a reflection of, of how we love ourselves. Well, our bedroom is, is the main room in the house that represents that part of our life. And so each, so our home is, is, is very much like our body. Mm-hmm. Each organ in our body has a certain function and okay. it affects all the other organs. If our stomach is, is not operating, functioning, functioning properly or optimally, all of the other organs can still function, but they're going to feel the, the strain of that. Okay. And so our, our home And each room in our home, each room in our home is like that organ of our body. And so when one area of our home isn't functioning properly, all of the other rooms are going to feel that. Each room in our home reflects a certain area of our life. And if one area of our life is not functioning optimally, like let's say our nutrition all the other areas of our life are going to feel that our relationships are going to feel it. Our vitality is going to feel it. Our, um, our career is going to feel it. Our passion, like our life passion is going to feel it. Mm -hmm. And so 
we want to recognize that all of this is interconnected and mm -hmm. our home offers us a place to focus and to bring our curiosity and our awareness and our intention. So, so when you get a sense something is outdated, like we often go to couches, tables, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes our comforter in our bedroom, we were talking that we'll go there, the bedroom, um, or pillows. When you get that sense something is outdated and you go to change that and you go out to a store, you know, Target, JCPenney's, Macy's, whatever, and you find, oh my gosh, I love this pillow does that automatically shift the internal or is there still more? It's just a, it's just a, um, a nugget of wisdom that that's a, oh my gosh, I need to still shift the inside. So, so when we, so like with, if, if you're really tired of something in your home and you want a change, that's a good spot to bring in your curiosity. Okay. Like, okay. Why do I feel this is outdated? What does this represent? Like, is this old comforter, does it speak to a time that I've outgrown or that has mm -hmm. bad memories associated with it? Like to just get a little bit curious as to what's behind that, because the cool thing about going into um, someone's home that isn't aware of this language that's happening is their subconscious as long as they didn't hire a decorator to just do everything right their subconscious intentionally placed things in a certain spot for a reason mm -hmm. and so we so when we're we're wanting to change something that's great i have a friend who just had a fabulous quote that said sometimes change is like a good vacation where you just feel so good and that's yeah. especially true for our home right like mm -hmm. rearranging the furniture it's like oh i feel so much better um, and sometimes even just doing that like i'll change pillows out my daughter's like you're doing it again you're changing the pillows sometimes just that brings a shift in our comfort level to a bigger shift that's taking place that we just needed a little like warmth around. Yes. Yes. And I, I, I wonder if you feel like this being like having young children. And, um, when I had my first, my son, I was at home and I was a stay at home mom and I couldn't change my life the way I was used to, you know, I was a, what right. uh, my mother, my former mother-in-law called a geriatric mom. Cause I had my first child at 36. <laughs> and so I had my life. I had a lot of fun. And all of a sudden I was at home taking care of this larva and everything that I ever identified as myself was gone. And it was yeah. like my, my, a life crisis. And what I found was that rearranging furniture brought so much satisfaction because I could shift my life. I could change my world because there were certain things I couldn't do that anymore. And it yeah. also speaks to when we want to change things, it is telling us that there's growth. We're evolving. Like we're mm -hmm. not, we're not satisfied with the way things are. And so, so it's just good to get curious about that discomfort because it is connected to something else. Like wanting to change out those pillows and that comforter is speaking to something else in us, mm -hmm. right? Like it's, it's not just our outer environment. That's like, it's no, not I'm just the of aesthetics of it. It literally is something that is so internally driven 
that is calling for us to shift or or restore it or um, remember remember parts like you had said with the mothering aspect right here we are we have these kids like we joke in our house this is the kid house this is the family house this was the kid house and and my kids are even joke oh when we're all out of the house you guys are going to go find something else i'm like uh-huh and i'm going to have all this nice stuff and you people aren't coming to it anymore <laughs> you're not coming into my space this is my because I think we gave ownership to what that mission was for us together in those, in these years, we're still, we're still sort of in them, but giving, giving purpose to this particular space has a mission and it is for us collectively. And then what I'm learning, like when you were talking about holding your baby and realizing, wow, I can't just like go do the things I wanted to do before. There's something internally shifting that needs to shift, whether it's a mindset or a belief or whatever. Um, and so I think there's, there's this opportunity to recognize that, that there's always purpose in your external as it relates more to internally who you really are and remembering those aspects. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And just acknowledging it and validating it like, huh, I'm needing a change. Like, that's really cool because that means I'm evolving. That means something is stirring in me because when we want change, it's because we're ready for a new adventure. Like we're not, we're not content with the status quo anymore. And, and our home shows that like, you can see it in like a lot of times older people, like um, in the, you know, I'd say like eighties and older, they're, they all sort of carry a similar theme in their homes where it's more of a, a capsule of the past and yes. not necessarily like future oriented or, you know, adventure oriented. And so our homes, our homes tell a really beautiful story. And we can, if we don't like the story, we can use our home to, to curate a new one. Yes. And be creative because we, we at the heart of it, we are creative beings. So our home should reflect an aspect of that creativity. Now, what, what is the, the underlying foundation if you don't decorate it and create it in your own way and you offer it up for someone else to do that? What does that speak to about our subconscious and our mind? So, so the, we have the ego and the soul, right? Uh -huh. yeah. And the ego, the ego gets a really bad rap. Um, but the way I see ego is our ego is developed and created from the moment we were born as we, as we're, we're trained by our mm -hmm. upbringing to protect us because mm -hmm. our ego wants us to belong and be loved. Mm -hmm. And that's the driver. Like you will emotionally be obliterated if you're not loved and you have no sense of belonging. And so our ego is passionate and fierce about making sure we always secure love and we always belong. And, and so we don't want to kill our ego because we want to, to be loved and we want to belong. Right. Yes. And so, yes. And so when we hire someone to build our house without our input when we hire someone to design our house to make it look like the the latest issue of architectural digest that is our ego 
being satisfied at the expense of our soul because we're putting our authority in someone else's hands and that's disempowering. And so it's, it's a real risk when we trust someone else with our life. Like our, our home is the temple for our life. And so we don't want someone curating that with intentions that have nothing to do with our own desires and goals and values. Do you think a little bit of why we sometimes choose that is that we're living from this sort of false sense of self, or maybe we don't even know ourselves well enough or trust that we can be as creative as we would like to be in our spaces and that we then go externally because, because to be honest, conditioning, we have always, we've all been conditioned to go externally for our needs, even as a baby. I mean, you cried to get fed. That is, you were, you were programmed Mm -hmm. without any intention. You were unintentionally programmed to, to seek what you needed outwardly. And so do you think that it's sometimes just a process of the ongoing conditioning and never really exploring the, the true self as it is a creative place or space to be? I think so. I think so. And I think there's a spectrum of it, but I think you're right. I think that we discount our own worth. Mm -hmm. We discount our own knowing. And we're, we're really, I think that by and large, we see ourselves as smaller than what we really are and less capable of what we really are. And so we, we sometimes trust others before we trust ourselves. If if the the less of our our relationship, like the less strong and secure our relationship is with ourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, and the other thing is is I think we just we want help. Um, you know, like we want we want people to help us in areas we feel like we don't know, but we also have this perfectionist thing where we have to do things right. And if we feel like like it's scary to make mistakes, it's scary to, try to make a space beautiful and feel like you failed. Like, I think that's also part of it is we don't want to feel like we're doing things wrong. Well, because you even talked about the ego and until you really understand the power of the ego, that it can serve you in your creative space, you then are still disempowered by the ego. And so you create something, especially, you know, we have Pinterest. So I I practice that sometimes I go on Pinterest to get inspired or to get ideas and then, and then you can tell there's like, there's like this surrender that takes place. If I'm trying to create something from Pinterest, for me, I'll feel that. I'll just be like, I don't know that that works here. And I'll feel something and then I'll just tweak a few things and then it feels mine. It feels like now it represents me versus when I'm just trying to create exactly what Pinterest is showing me for me because I'm a feeler it will feel a little off. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know what I think it speaks to and see if this feels true for you too, is that so often we don't ask the question, what do I want? Yes. I like, yes. Like, what do I really want? Does this speak to me? Does this make me feel warmth? I, I mean, like, especially when you're talking about, you know, there's so many, um, 
eco trends and trends, color trends and this trend and that trend when it speaks to your house, even so much as like when you get to like creating kitchens and you go marble or this or that or this. And it's like, well, what really allows you to feel free and peaceful and joyful cooking your damn food and eating your damn food? Like, I don't think we ask, you're so, you're so right. We don't ask ourselves those very simple questions to say, does that even work for you? Like, do you even like that? Or are you just creating it because you think that that's what your kitchen needs to look like so that you feel like you have a sense of belonging in the world? Yes, yes. And, you know, a great question. Like, I just, I, I think great questions can take us down this, like, romance with ourselves right like the the most fun thing about falling in love with someone is they want to learn about you and you want to learn about them Uh and so when we have that with ourselves and like with our home and ask okay and it can be our home but it can be our whatever is happening in our life what do I want to do today what do I want to eat today but what do I want and am I doing this do I want this for me or do I want this for validation or because I think someone else wants it of me? Like, yeah. do I want this granite countertop or do I just want, you know, a work table that I can, I can mess up and I can burn the top of it and it's not going to matter. It's just going to tell more of my story. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that goes back to like what I was saying, you know, I like you have had moments early on in motherhood where I was like frustrated with our house and I felt like, oh my gosh, it's ugly. It doesn't work. It's just like messy all the time and it's old and it's outdated. And then my husband and I would be like, okay, do we want to fix it up? And we would be like, no, we have these four kids. We're spending time there. And so then all of a sudden, like, again, it started to shift in us. And we were like, this is the family home. It is not meant to be this like over the top. It is meant to be. And the funniest thing is our kids will bring their friends home and talk about, well, they just feel comfortable here, mom. They just feel comfortable here. And they toss their shoes and there's this. And I thought that's what we created here. It's not, we even have couches that are 20 something years old. They are leather. They're beautiful. We have loved them so hard and so fierce. They are getting holes in them. My children will not let us get rid of them yet. They're like, please don't get rid of them when we want to. But it's, there is a comfort in them with these couches. They are like our family emblem right now. And I'm like, okay, fine. We'll just cover it up with some pillows and we'll be fine. Like, I get it. We're going to, we're going to let it go. And I don't think we get deeper into that. I think sometimes in our home spaces, we are still operating from that very um, um, primal ego, which is all about fit in, get, look a certain way, act a certain way. And again, that's from that older conditioning. And I don't think we even often feel comfortable and relaxed and restful in our own spaces. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I love that y'all are keeping that sofa and that yeah, sofa. They really are old and ugly, but we, but we, they're funny. It's hilarious. Now we laugh about it. Well, and they're memory holders, right? Like how many memories do those kids yeah. have on that sofa? Like it may, it makes me verklempt, you know, I don't even know, but I know like in my own house, like our furniture that's with us through these stories, like 
it's it carries a story it 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 yeah. held memories and so i think it's really sweet that your kids recognize that and they don't care about getting the new shiny they want to hold on to that familiar and they want to hold on to to whatever stories that sofa has held for them um yeah, like like it has to like like how we have a soul's purpose i think and you're the expert here not necessarily me but i'm feeling into you our houses have a soul's purpose as well. Is that true? Yes, we have a relationship with our home. Like our home is one of the most beautiful relationships of our life. Like it, it holds yeah. us. And a really fabulous exercise is that, especially when people are frustrated with their homes, is to sit down on the couch and have a glass of tea and have a conversation with your home and share with your home how you feel. Like, I feel like I don't like the bathroom. It needs updating. And I don't like this. And I don't like that. And blah, 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 blah. And thanks for doing this. And then turn the mic over to your house and sit down mm. and ask your home, is there anything you want to tell me? And this again makes me for clump because our home is like grandmother energy. And it just like, it mm -hmm. just wants to take care of us and for us to blossom and go after whatever we want. And when you stop and listen to what your home has to say, it probably feels neglected, underappreciated, you know, but in the most gentle and loving way. And so once we realize that our home is really charged with this loving, tender, empowering, um, canvas and platform uh -huh. for us to to do whatever we want and the thing is it's real it's tangible it's energetic it's spiritual and it's scientific it's uh -huh. it's all of those things it's like what we were saying about neuroscience and the soul like our home is those things and the reason why it's true is because of the timeless wisdoms and mysticism and it's because of the new sciences that are proving that our environment informs our outcomes. It's yeah. yeah. So I'm fascinated when you work with like architecture, architectural spaces and designers in like when, when they're developing new buildings and they're developing new structures, is that all about intention intention of like what we're, what, what we want from here? Like, so what if a building is put up, but they don't know what goes in it yet? So, so it's imagine, so we've spent most of our lives living in concert and unison in, in uh -huh. cycles with nature, right? Like yes. Yes. this technology, human beings that, you know, we're so smart is actually just new. Like we were, we, we had wisdom for a long, long time. And uh -huh. so when when you would pick a place to live, whether it was a cave or the, where you were going to build a shelter, you looked at your environment. You looked at where the sun would rise. You looked at where you were protected from certain prevailing winds. Like you take all of these things into consideration. And we do the same thing when we choose a space to build a house or when we choose the house we're going to purchase or the apartment where we're going to live. Mm -hmm. All of these things we're subconsciously taking into consideration. And so definitely once we add our intention, then it's sort of like a game changer, right? So we're going to choose, we're going to choose the apartment where 
the front door opens a park versus one that opens the side of a building with no windows, whether we realize why we're choosing one or not, we know one feels better than the other. So, okay. so it's subconsciously happening, whether it's in our home, all of these things are subconsciously happening. And our subconscious mind is responsible for 90% of our thinking, right? We have 50 okay. to 75,000 thoughts every single day. 90 yeah. to 95% of those thoughts happen in our subconscious. Right. So when we bring our intention into our home, intention is also an opportunity to, to, to shift the patterns of the subconscious mind. And so bringing our intention into how we build, how we design, how we rearrange furniture, where we place certain pieces of art, what kind of sheets we pick, all of those things they have a residual effect. And what makes our home so important is that we have these routines that we do every single day. Mm -hmm. And so it just amplifies the intention. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's, and, and the intention can change, right? I mean, we're, we're creatures of change. Our bodies, our minds, our brains are formulated for that adaptability, that constant evolutionary process. So, so even having a room like, okay, I'll use this as an example. My office right here, technically speaking in the house formation is the dining room. Well, we never used it as a dining room. So we swapped out the light fixture, fixed it all up. It is now my office. It feels like it is meant to be this and not the other. I so love we, that. Can, we can change intentions for spaces, right? Yes. We want and then recreate. Absolutely. And that's, that's even better because it's your creation and it's evolving with you. So in, in two years, you may decide that the function of that room has changed. And we need to go back to something else. Okay. So, so like when you're helping, um, to create spaces that are meaningful and purposeful from their origin, like when they're building a new building or a new apartment complex or, or whatever, you're helping them to design with feelings of like the elements, feelings of warmth and security, like what feeling of love, freedom. And then as each space gets developed with whoever goes into that space, they create more intention is that how it works? Like we're just constantly building upon? Well, yes. And it's, it's, um, so there's, there's different layers, you know, first, like I, I, I don't work with people if they don't know what they want, right? Like, because okay. that's everything I do. They can hire someone else if they just want, you know, the coolest, sexiest building that's going to get an award okay. for blah, blah, blah. And so when they want, when anyone wants to work with me, it's, it's actually a pretty intimate process, especially if it's, it's their home is because I want to know what they want. I want to know about their values. I want to know what's working in their life. I want to know what isn't working. So we can craft a space that really speaks to how they're best going to be supported and inspired. And so the, the first thing we do is, and this is the, the life design method, which you can use toward anything. It can be design, architecture, what kind of car you want, where you want to go on vacation, whatever, but it's, Mm -hmm. you identify what you want, the intentions, Okay. you identify the obstacles or address the obstacles, what's getting in the way. And that's our outer environment obstacles and our inner environment uh, obstacles. And so all of this is the duality. 
And so we recognize I want something in my external life and that satisfies the ego a lot of times, but Mm -hmm. it's to satisfy how I want to feel on the inside. Like we all have these intentions and behind or our desires both. Mm -hmm. And behind that is a value and behind the value is ultimately we just want to feel good. There's a certain feeling experience that we want to satisfy. And that's what it comes down to. And when we can help people figure out what that is, like, what's the feeling they want to feel, then it, then we can use their external environment to help that. But just knowing that, like, if I know I have a value for freedom and right now I can't satisfy the vision of freedom I want, Well, I can integrate different things into every day, like into every hour of my day, things that represent freedom so that I still get to satisfy that feeling. And I'm not having to wait until this happens or wait until this happens. And we can see that in our home. It's sort of like putting on clothes and accessories. Like when you put on your favorite pair of earrings or a pair of earrings that just bring you such amazing joy and and happiness. That's kind of like things in your house. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so the third step is that it's aligning our external environment with our internal environment. So they both communicate those intentions and desires. Okay. So identify what you want, address the obstacles and align accordingly. And all of that is internal environment, external environment, like they're, they're connected. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to go a little further. Okay. Let's do it. Because evolving beyond the obstacles, what if the obstacles are like relationships in the house that aren't the healthiest? Mm -hmm. How do we create spaces where we move beyond some of those obstacles? And I'm actually thinking, like for children of generational lineages that have not been the most healthy. So then they come into their own space, right? And they're creating their own homes and they're still operating from some unconscious subconscious patterning and they start to develop homes that don't feel warm and safe. Mm -hmm. How do we move beyond some of that stuff? So Just so I make sure I'm clear in answering. So do you mean like architecturally or design wise? Like, um, so if you want, I can just jump in and then you can steer me. Just jump and go where you think and we're going to play with this concept. It's just popping at me. So I'm okay. So the two places where we um, run into relationship or where we, our relationships are reflected most is one in the bedroom and that's our intimate relationships. And it really starts with how we self-love and and our bedroom shows us all kinds of information about what's going on in the relationship. Um, And then the living room, the living room is where we gather, where we have intimate conversations. And so um, think of, think of your house and how you enter a home as telling the story of intimacy and vulnerability. And so when someone comes to our door, we get to choose who's allowed in. This is like the sentry at the guard deciding, are you allowed in? Or are you not allowed in? And this could be a piece of clutter. This could be a human being. What, mm-hmm. uh, we get to decide what's allowed in our home. 
then the next, once you decide, okay, I'm going to allow you to cross my threshold. I'm going to allow you in my home. The next room where you would invite them is the living room where you would sit, get to know them a little bit better. Okay. After that's the kitchen, because to create a meal and to share a meal and break bread together, that takes a deeper level of intimacy. Uh Then there's only another, a smaller group of people that you allow in your bedroom with you. And, and there's more intimacy and vulnerability here. Well, the number of people that are allowed to stay in the bathroom with you is very, very few, if any, right? The bathroom is the most vulnerable, protected room. Yes. So when we think about relationships, we want to think about sort of these, these boundaries and this intimacy and this vulnerability that's happening as we move through the home. The living room is where we most often gather with people. And so if someone wants to work on their relationships with their friends or family or community, looking at the living room and seeing if it's reflecting those themes that you want or the themes that you don't want, the obstacles, like what's showing up in there. Do you have a um, coffee table that's metal with a piece of glass on top with pointy edges and it has... um, you know, a dried puffer fish on it or porcupine, you know, I'm just speaking in like more like obvious, um, you know, sea urchin, whatever, like with concrete floors and no rugs and um, maybe a chess table and then a really piece of graphic sort of violent feeling art above the fireplace. Like that tells a story and you can already feel the story, right? Like yeah, it's, it doesn't like say it was already starting to make me kind of go, okay, <laughs> can we get out of here? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know that I want to be hanging in that kind of a space. Yeah. So our home tells a story. And so okay. how do we want, how do we want to feel? How do we want others to feel? And what invitation are we bringing here? Like, what's the invitation? Um, and yeah. so, yeah, so that's, this is the the language of home and you know the the um the scientific talk for that is neurospatial linguistics but it's really just the language our home communicates with our mind with our central nervous system and how that affects us so part of it is is again going back to and I love you use this cuz this is what we use in the Jungian world is getting curious in that psychology piece of getting curious, just get curious, lean in, get closer, get curious, ask questions. It's going to, your, the insight will reveal itself. You don't have to go seeking necessarily. So I love that you bring that in to where do you feel comfort in your house? Where do you not? And if you don't feel comfortable in spaces, then, then there's a vulnerability of getting more curious about why and where is that coming from? And, and so we might be changing the external landscape of our homes first, because that gives us the mirror to, oh my gosh, something internally then needs to still shift. If changing the external didn't kind of resolve the energy of that alignment. Mm -hmm. Is that sort of accurate? And yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it is, it is, it's a doorway. It's okay. You know, I, I, I don't often say this because I don't want to, to scare, you know, people, um, but I think away. that's the way we're <laughs> going to run our lives. Let's scare, let's scare people. Um, 
is this work is like a backdoor approach to the soul because we all want our house to look good and we want it to feel good. And mm -hmm. once we start looking at the deeper layers, we realize that our home really is an invitation to what's happening in this internal environment of our body and our, and our soul. And because our body is, is giving us feedback all the time. Right. right. Yes. And so, um, yeah, so it's just a great place to, to go through those, those layers. And, and that's that evolving beyond the obstacles, because every time we meet the obstacles and we face that darker place or that uncomfortable place, we just moved beyond our obstacle. And the fact that our home design can actually help us do that, like what more comforting place to be able to look at those exposed tender places. Yeah. Because you're, because it's, it's safe. I mean, that's something that, that, that in our, in our being, in our human being, in ourself, we need safety. So changing the decor of your home, changing the space's intention, recreating the ambiance or the aura of your physicality here is safe. Nobody sees it. Nobody has to really know what you're doing. So that internal work becomes a safe haven for the true soul to be able to express itself in yes. its natural and organic way. Yes. And if you think of it as like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh -huh. first we come in and we, we make sure that our survival needs are taken care of. So right. our, our home is taking care of air and water and excretion. And then we have our security needs. We have a roof over our head. We have the safety of body and family. And then we have the love and belonging. And so once our home helps us meet those areas and we're always in some version of survival mode, because if any of our primal needs are at risk, uncertain or threatened, we're going to be in survival mode. And that's right. pretty Instant much always happening. Yeah. yeah. Instantaneous. Yes which is I think why people tend to freak out. Like we have this spot in our dining room, our kitchen uh, hearth room that it started leaking in the window. We have no idea. It, we can't see a hole. We don't know where it's coming from. We were like laughing because me says, oh, well, it's just means something. We just need to figure it out and then it'll go away. <laughs> and then my family and my husband start going, oh my God, here she goes again with all this crazy <laughs> thinking. But it's because we don't see where it's coming from. So to me, that's just an indication of, oh, it's just a symbol. It's just a symbol showing up and it'll, it'll figure itself out because we don't know where it's coming from. It's just all of a sudden started happening all of a sudden it'll tell you, it'll, <laughs> it'll tell, tell you us. where to look. <laughs> it'll tell you where we need to go figure it out or if we need fixing or not or whatever. So, and a lot of times stuff in our house will shift like that. It's hilarious because <laughs> our houses do have wisdom. Yes. And they're trying to tell us something like leaky yeah. pipes are telling us something else about our finances or a drain of our energy. Like all of those things are related. Like they're, they are the same. Like you're absolutely like, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. And I'm always like, oh, the lights went out. Okay. Let's figure out what's going on. Like <laughs> my family sometimes like enough, just can we deal with what's happening here? And I'm like, oh, let's just go internally. Uh, uh, you're, yeah. It's probably torture to live with me sometimes. Um, okay. So I am curious about like, um, 
beyond these four steps that you talk about, like how does someone be someone who doesn't automatically have awareness and is not the curious person, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of surrender and releasing, letting go, we have to go to get curious. So if I'm not, how do I just at a very basic level, like you talked about the Maslow hierarchy at a basic level, how do I just feel fun and warmth in my home? If I don't feel like that's what my home represents. Okay. So the first, like, so you just identified an, an intention and a desire. Like, that's the first thing is like, what do I want? Okay. And then the one, the most important thing all of us can do is to go room by room through our house and make sure there's no toxic clutter. And so what is toxic clutter? Clutter, toxic clutter is anything in our home that brings up a negative feeling, emotion, or memory. Okay. I don't care if it's something that your great grandmother passed down. Like if there, this is visual poison in our home because the subconscious mind sees it multiple times a day and every single item in our home is sending a, a message. It has a corresponding tone and it's negative or positive. So, and, and it can be neutral too, but mostly it's negative or positive on some, on some line of the spectrum. And so every single thing is communicating to us. Everything I have on my bookshelf, every single thing is sending a little message. And so every time my subconscious sees it, it's sending that, that quick cue. That's where the 50 to 75,000 thoughts every day come from. And so we want to make sure nothing is sending a harmful, toxic cue. And so that's the most important thing go through room by room in your house. And there might be layers to it. There might be things where you're like, well, I like it because it's pretty, but actually it's related to this relationship. And I don't feel good about that right now. So what you do is you just pack it away for like three to six months. If you're not willing to give it away or sell it or whatever, mm -hmm. you pack it away and then you bring it back. And because we're constantly evolving, we can say, okay, does this thing still have a negative charge for me? Yeah. If it does, pack it away, give it away, sell it, or okay. bring it out. If the, if the negative feeling around this has cleared because we're evolving and constantly changing, we may have evolved past that obstacle. Now that we don't, we didn't have to see it for a hundred days in a row. Okay. So it's almost like the story, it's almost like a fire goes out automatically if you leave it alone for a while. So if you just take the object and just remove it from your sensory field, mm -hmm. it can almost just let the story go by the wayside. That yeah, it's like subliminal messages. Yeah, it's like subliminal messages where it's like this picture, it could be a great picture from a family vacation. And then, you know, you and your partner had an argument 15 minutes before that picture was taken or 15 minutes after. Yeah. And every single time you see it, you think, um, you know, he's so rude or I was so mad that day or whatever, like if it goes away and then six months later, you're like, oh my gosh, that was so hilarious. Like I hated that picture. And now I, I love us. Like, I love how we poke each other's spots that are uncomfortable. You know, like you just get yeah. that. I that love space. that we're messy. I love that. It doesn't always have to look good. And you start to realize a bigger kind of like, I think you talked about like getting in touch with your soul. You realize oh my gosh, these, these aspects of us 
really speak to who we really are at a soul level, not who we are in this outer extreme extremities or whatever the word is yeah. of, of like demonstrating who we are. It really is like that picture is really more about who we really are and being our true selves with each other and being whole. Yeah, we just sometimes need a break from these things. And then, and sometimes they're permanently toxic, but it, it could just be that whatever, whatever cycle we're in, it's just visually and emotionally, like it just pokes our pains, our raw spots too much. Yeah. And so we just need it to go away. So these raw spots can like heal and not feel so tender anymore. Um, yeah. And the thing is, is our space helps us. So we want to clear out the toxic but the other thing is, is so there's another like clutter litmus test I have. So that was the, the toxic one. Clutter okay. is anything in our home or our life that is that we do not use, we do not love and doesn't support our goals. And so the next layer of going through our home is we want to look at, do I use this? Okay. Do I love it? And does it support my intentions and my desires and my values. And if it doesn't, why are we holding on to it? It's just creating more space. And the fun thing about our home environment is, and, and similar to our internal environment of our mind is that when we make space, right? Like meditation is making space. When we make space in our home, we're creating space for something new to show up. Mm-hmm. And we're creating more space within our mind because whatever that, that thing was talking to us, you know, like that oversized stuffed animal from the fair 10 years ago, like <laughs> whatever yeah. it is, yeah. it's taking up space and anything that's taking up space in our physical environment and our, in our life, like relationships mm-hmm. or jobs or whatever, it's also taking up space here. And so what we really want to do is we want to be self-devoted and we want to take care of our internal real estate, our mental real estate. And we can do that by looking at what's happening in our environment. Yeah, that makes total sense because I, I know in my own, and again, I'm only, I can only speak for myself in here, but when my family or me clears out something like a drawer or a desk or a closet, or we give things away, bookshelves, there's a feeling of airiness that comes like a, like, like you talked about the space. Like I just, the other day gave away seven bags of stuff. I don't even know where this stuff keeps coming from, but it's like, we just keep getting stuff out. And our rule of thumb was always when the kids wanted new clothes for like beginning of the school year or whatever, I would say, okay, go get a laundry basket. And you need to pull out of your closet seven or 10 things. Like I would just name a number because we're not going to bring in anything new unless we pull out what you know. And that just constantly, I think in some bigger ways, it taught them how to grow and evolve past objects, right? And become unattached. But it also taught them how to make space for new things always. Yes, I love that. And that's that's so healthy because when you think about how we how we eat food, like we don't, it doesn't feel good to be stuffed. And no, yeah. And same visually, like we don't want to be visually cluttered. It doesn't, it it all matters. It all has an energetic connection. So I'm thinking of like those movies, you know, where the houses are filled and filled and filled with stuff. I mean that. I have a hard time watching that stuff personally, but 
that's just kind of breaking my heart a little bit to think about now what you're talking about with our spaces and how important and influential it is for our space to be such a representation of our internal spaces mm -hmm. and how sometimes our homes are not that. Yeah, yeah, it's um, hoarding is related to um, trusting, trusting mm -hmm. that our needs will be taken care of. It has a lot yeah. of fear as as you would imagine. Um, and one thing I want to to add to um, the the toxic clutter and how we define clutter and what we use and don't use. And I love I love what you do with your kids mm -hmm. because um, that also speaks to evolving, right? Like being able to like, do I use it? Do I love it? Does it support my goals? Not anymore. And I'm making space for something new. When we look in each room in our home and it can just be our bedroom. You know, a lot of times people ask me like, I, I'm in a transitory situation. I don't have my own home. I'm living with someone else. I don't have the freedom mm -hmm. to clear out the clutter and move the toxic point, uh, the toxic clutter. One thing that is really important is once we know what we want and once we understand those values that we have is that if possible, every room in our home should speak to at least one of those things, like one of those aspirations, because mm -hmm. as we were saying with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we want to make sure our, our basic needs are addressed. We want to make sure we can take care of the obstacles, but we also want to move up that pyramid toward transcendence. And so what are the things that are inspiring? What are the things that are empowering? And so using our home as this living vision board so that it sings that song so that it celebrates who we are and that it encourages us to take the risks and to move closer to what we want. And so having, having something symbolic in each room that reminds you of who you are and reminds you of your brilliance and everything you're creating is, is so, so important. Like get rid of the toxic clutter and empower the heck out of who you are in the platform of your home. I think it's also important as you're talking, I'm thinking about like my kids and their bedrooms over the years, like where we give them the autonomy at some age, you know, certainly not three, but at some age, giving them that autonomy, authority to choose colors, mm -hmm. decor, style, putting posters on the wall. Like, I think again, in our society, you know, when we have like the pottery barns and, and the certain looks that sometimes we as parents kind of get down, I'm going to go on a line and say it, a very shallow space of, oh my gosh, my kid's bedroom has to look a certain way to represent how I'm feeling insecure in myself as a parent. And so if I create this beautiful beautiful room, then when they have friends over, everyone will think that I'm, do, am I making sense here where it's like, there's this, there's this mismatch of intention for letting our children's bedrooms because they are a space of self-love and they are the most intimate that our children will ever understand what vulnerability really is, but they also need to have a place where it's safe for them. They learn to trust themselves. They learn to trust their environment. 
and they feel value and worthy in that one little bitty space of just their bedroom. Certainly we want them to feel it all over, but I think the bedrooms for our children are almost even more critical. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I want to acknowledge what you said in that, that is so vulnerable and so beautiful and true. And I feel the same way is that so often, however, our children are, are, expressing themselves in the world is we take that on to mean something about us and who we are as parents. And it's just like how we torture ourselves. It's like, yes. it doesn't mean anything about us. And I love, and, and so thank you for saying that because I feel like, I know I feel that where I've for so long, I thought how my child behaves is a reflection of. Oh, we my- all go down it. I mean, it's part of our own evolution. I think as a, as a parent, as a family, we came together to teach each other what we all need to evolve. So of course we all have those moments of insecurity and we all, I mean, I, I was guilty of that. You know, I wanted at moments early on my children's bedrooms to look so beautiful. And then I couldn't understand why it didn't work out that way. And it was because I was working from a different place. I just didn't recognize that. Yes. Yes. And when we finally do, it's exactly what our kids need. Like they need, especially as they're, they're getting closer to adolescence is this is their transition. Like their bedroom is their transition from dependence to independence. And so being able to have a space where they can express who they are and they can keep it clean or keep it messy. Like when people ask me like, what, what about teenagers rooms? I basically just say, back off. Let our, them. I agree with you. In our household, the philosophy was you get to do your bedroom in the only way you need to do it to make yourself feel comfortable. So I'm all aboard, shut the darn door, move on. And the only time I would intervene is if I would peek in, which I did every once in a while, cause that's the idea. And if I would be like, no, no, you need to get in there. And we have four children three of them are capable, okay, to do it on their own. One could never get it going. So it would take my husband and I and some trash bags to go in there. And he would just lay on his bed and like moan. And we would be like, come on, come on, we're teaching you. I think he's old enough now where he's able to do that. But there was something about his internal wiring that it just to let go of, I mean, he was our kid though, from day one that wanted to hold on to everything. I was like, no, sweetheart, you don't even need all these things. So you have to look at each individual child as their own being and what their bedrooms, like I said, it is their first space of intimacy and vulnerability. And we have to allow them the space to, to kind of grow in and out of that as they're figuring it out. Yes. And, and I, I love that. I love that. And they are so different and they are so unique and to give them the freedom to be who they are in their bedroom without feeling like it's wrong or it's annoying or whatever. Like I do, I mean, food is my line. I'm like, hun, no food. Like I'll tell him that so many times and I go in his room and he snuck food in. I'm like, well, cause those teenagers, <laughs> you go to bed and they have 500 meals beyond the dinner time. So 
you wake up and they've got food everywhere and food in their bedroom and you know they have reasons why they need it i and i think at some point i just kind of was like fallen prey to the i don't care anymore just clean it up make sure we don't have bugs or you know whatever (laughs) because i couldn't i couldn't enforce it i couldn't enforce it and it's exhausting to do so you know after a while you just get tired of your own voice (laughs) well and i think that even that dynamic like when we're talking about our houses have memories and our houses have feelings and emotions. I think our houses feel the, the external connections, whether we have them good or bad, or, and I don't even mean mad, maybe it's more right. like if they feel good or if they don't feel good, because a connection is a connection, but our homes start to reflect that. Like if they're getting dingy, right? Or if, if it just feels worn down, it could very well be nothing more than, because I'm all about older homes. We live in one, it has its quirks and we laugh about them. So it's not that if home gets so old, it, it just doesn't work anymore. It's more about like, does it just feel so outdated and, and grungy because it's holding you and all your chaos and toxicity between how you all interact. I think our homes feel that too. Mm-hmm. They do, right? Like if these walls could talk and that's why that exercise Mm -hmm. of sitting with your home on the couch and just listening to what it wants to tell you. Like it's, you, you may need a box of Kleenex. Like it's not, it, it's, it's not, it's like going to the therapist with someone that you haven't communicated with, but has been in your presence all along. Like, um, but it's really, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing too. So yes, it does. It holds all of the dysfunction. It holds all of it holds our wisdom. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy to, to consider this, this built thing as, um, having its own persona, but it really does. It's yeah. Yeah. I never thought about it till I really started honestly following you more and more. And it just, everything that you, you speak to just really like, it really awakens constantly awakens something in me to pay attention. It's about mm-hmm. paying attention, being aware, paying attention, And I think that, you know, when we're in relationships, like we are in the home, the closest relationships that we will ever be that are really trans so transformative, they teach us exactly what we want. I think that the fact that, you know, you have to just start noticing things like how you feel in certain rooms, how you feel with the things in the room. And like you said, the stories that they tell and is the story real or not? Or is the right. story made up about something? Like me with the couches. My husband and I are like, those couches are 27 years old. I mean, we got them when we got married. They brought home every child. Every child has slept on them with their friends. I have slept on them with the babies. My husband has slept on them with the babies. Like there's a lot of, of our life in those couches. And I think my husband and I were like feeling the shift of our family structure, right? Because our kids are getting older and stuff. And we're like, oh, okay, let's get new couches. And our kids were like adamant. And so then you have to kind of, it's like being in a relationship. You have to start to adjust and do this little dance together. Like, okay, but I will tell you for me and nobody else in the family cares. It is me and it's my ego. Those holes and the older parts of the couches are kind of freaking me out. And it's my issue. It's, and it's an internal issue. It's not even that anyone comes to my house because my kids as friends love those. They tell us 
don't get rid of them. Give them to us. Like <laughs> everybody, but it is me. It is me internally. And I can stand there. So you know what I think I'm going to do is I think I'm going to take your advice and I'm going to go stand with those couches and those holes and ask it some talk. I'm going to talk to it. I'm yeah, going to talk maybe to those sit, Like get comfortable like you would for an intimate conversation, like sit with it. Yes. And yeah, because, and I just love that your kids, and I've heard that echoed before with parents not like lamenting a certain piece of, well, it's always been a sofa really. And the kids are like, no, we love it. No, we love it. And I think it really speaks also to like, we're so much more programmed than our kids. Like they're in the process of being conditioned and programmed into what's acceptable and what's not acceptable by society, but they don't, they don't care about that. They care about how they feel. I mean, they're, I'm sure they care in some regards about how, you know, how it looks on the outside, but that pure knowing of like, why would we get rid of this? Like, we love this. Yeah. I mean, I think that our, in our families and in our homes, the children are the ones that are more expressive about the meaning, the truth and the meaning of things. And I think we are more about the conditioning around things. And, and so that, that sort of tension in the home of, and I think that's why teenagers, because teenagers are at that point where they are really experimenting with the attachment to an identity or the attachment to their, you know, to something even bigger beyond that identity. And they're wrestling with it. And so they're expressive about, they want their rooms to be messy because that's, that's internally what's happening as they, they work out the tension of that attachment. Well, that's, that's really interesting. I, and I, because, and I, I had never thought about this, but you're right. Like there's so much change happening at this age uh-huh. and it can be unsettling, right? Like boys at the end of one school year, they're boys. And then all of a sudden they show up at high school or in sophomore year. And it's like, they're men and, and their voices are deeper and their faces. And you're looking at them and you're like, you don't even look like you looked. And no wonder their rooms are quirky and odd and messy and their clothes are everywhere and they don't care and they're stinky sometimes because there's too much going on and I think that you know this is this is like moving beyond the teenage thing but in our world right now it's messy and in our society right now it's disorganized and it's there's a lot of battling going on and a lot of you know crisis in terms of identity and culture and who we are and speaking to that, our homes hear that too. So even though you don't subscribe to outside stuff as much and you're trying to come in, but creating that sanctuary in your home to be a safe haven to be seen and to be heard and to be welcomed. Yes. And that your kids know that like that sofa is an anchor, that sofa reflects stability and being held and so with all this change just being a teenager and all those those wild changes but also in this wild world yeah to have this grounding anchoring force of comfort within the home the one of the worst things you could probably do is like clear out all the furniture and get brand new shiny fancy comfy furniture because that would be really destabilizing for them And I think that's why a lot of, I think that's the adjustment that starts to happen because 
because that happens so much in families. Your kids start to get older. They get into like those middle school and high school years. All of a sudden, parents want to change their bedroom decor, change the kitchen decor, change the family room decor, right? The living room. And, and kids start to get angry and frustrated and they, they become inward. They get quiet and they, they kind of, you know, conversely go inward and they, they, they go into their spaces. They don't want to come out. They don't feel that, that safety home threshold anymore. And, and you know, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No. Well, I, I think, I think what you're saying is brilliant because what it is, is it speaks to, it's actually, it's actually speaks to a beautiful story because they, they perceive their upbringing and everything that happened in this way that they love and they want to hold on to mm-hmm. where we, as parents, we see the next phase coming. We see our freedom and mm-hmm. our new possibilities coming. And so we're ready to like clear the slate a little bit for the next story, but that story felt really good. And they're not necessarily ready for yeah. your story yet. Like they like the comfort of that story. And so the beautiful part is that if the story was traumatic, if the story of that home and of that sofa and whatever happened was traumatic for anyone, mm-hmm. they burn it, let it go. Like let's, let's set yeah. it on fire and mm-hmm. start fresh. And so it's really sweet because it's saying, no, like I treasure this. I cherish this. I love this. I don't, I don't necessarily mm-hmm. want things to change. I want to have my safe place because if, if they didn't have those feelings and if that, those furnishings in that home didn't hold that, they'd be like, I don't care if you burn it down. Like, can we please get a new sofa? Can we please get a new sofa? Like, because all of those things hold memory. And so, right. right. And I think that's the threshold that like, when you talk about the front door, the front door is that threshold of welcoming in all of the aspects of who we each are and then who we each are together and the meaning and the memories and the stories and the, the happenings that we're going to experience together. It's also cross, crossing the threshold is each time you're going to exit and enter new rooms together. We have to bring forth what, what works for everybody. So like those years where, like you talked about, what came to me was, you know, here are these teenagers and they're trying to create a foundation, which they want a little bit of the old as they're, as they're creating the new, right? So they want to keep it all in the right place. When the adults are like, okay, we're ready. We're, we're relinquishing this and we're shifting our purpose as a family. We see it coming. Okay. We're willing to let you all go live your own life. And so they're wanting to move. And I think you have to create connection between the family structure as people, as souls, as human beings and, and actually collectively collaborate on how do we hold on and how do we let go at the same time? Mm-hmm. And the duality of that can, I, I believe, create more safety, more security in our home spaces to where everyone is valued for where they are and the worth that they bring in. Yes, yes. And it's all part of that evolving and and honoring the fact that like you and your husband are evolving separately and the kids are evolving separately and together. 
and it's being able to face those discomforts and those and and evolving beyond our obstacles and like how do we meet this how do we show up like how do I honor your needs with my wants like you know me you know and just like it's it's just that beautiful unfolding and how we dance through our discomfort and that adventure, like whatever the unknown of what's next. And I think that's probably part of that scariness is, well, if you change that, then I don't know what's next. And that makes me nervous. And it's like, yeah, but change, like honoring that change, whatever it looks like, whether it's a well, new it, isn't, there's, or, isn't there still like a little bit of we're attached to these things in our home and our home, but we also need to be unattached to them because that isn't the essence of who we are. It's just a landscape that we've, we've created um, a place to live, to live out our, our, our purpose. Right. Because ultimately the only house we have is this, like, yes, ultimately like this, this is, is really the first house, the first home. And yes. then the other is like you, you talk about the mirror. The other is just a mirror to that. So by, you know, and thinking what's coming is thinking about like older people when they hit those certain years and they want to downsize and move into. So they're they're giving away, right? They're releasing and letting go of, of things and objects and rooms. And they're coming from 10 rooms to three rooms and mm-hmm. and how hard that is for the rest of the family to watch that process because as we look at older age and we think about our parents and our families doing that that's that process of evolution gets challenging because it's like in living our lives we also have to to do it well face the mortality of our death the endings and the beginnings of things mm-hmm. And facing, facing the mortality of the people we love the most, right? Like hopefully it it starts with the grandparents and then the parents, but um, yeah. And that transition of, of things. And I don't know, I'm, I, I'm thinking that of the space between, right? Like you and I talk about the liminal liminal, space. The liminal is the space between all these things. Yes. And so Uh like having what happens between two people, whether it's me and you in this, this flat screen format or the people we live with and our children, what happens between me and you is like a house and Mm -hmm you, you bring your furnishings and your, your beliefs and your values. And I bring mine and yours are invisible and mine is invisible. And, and how we sort of architect the space between us is, is what creates that magic or what could create some discomfort, but like seeing all of our relationships with others, no matter who they are, is being this, this beautiful alchemy of a house, just very Mm -hmm. much like your house and my house with my kids. It's like, our home gets, gets to also be expression of the liminal space that happens between two human spirits. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That we're done. That was beautiful. (laughs) That was just a beautiful, like, I don't even want to talk anymore because I just, I just need to let that sink in and let that, that's just so true. It's a, our homes are a reflection of the relationships we have with each other. And the part that we're actually building together. Okay, I do have one more question because this is just okay. floating in my head. 
why are sofas and tables so instrumental in our homes? So sofas, sofas are where we invite others. Like we invite others to relax and have conversation or to have tenderness, whether it's someone putting their head on our lap and stroking their hair or sharing an intimate conversation. So there's an intimacy that happens on a sofa that doesn't happen around the the kitchen table and it, and it doesn't happen in the bedroom. And so have you heard of talking, talking staff councils, like the, the native tradition where the elders or the community would get together inside um, the hut and whoever had the talking staff would yeah, speak. like the talking stick they used it. We used it. We've when I was a teacher, we would do that. Like we we didn't always have a stick, but it would be like maybe a stuffed animal, and then whoever had it was the person that talked. And yes, yes. And so the living room is sort of like where we get to have this talking council where okay. one person speaks from the heart, and everyone else just listens and holding that space. And so the living room is sort of like it holds the space for us to listen and for us to be heard. And a sofa is a really intimate place for doing that. If we're in two separate oversized chairs, then there's a gap between us. But if we're sharing the same sofa, there's a oneness happening. And there's the sofas being like the vessel holding, holding whatever the exchange is. It doesn't have to be communicated through words. It can just be communicated through touch or eye contact or just sharing the space. That's why feeling, feeling that connection. We are all together here. Yes. Like, you know, when you're on a long flight and you're crammed next to two people, Uh it's a, it's a sofa with armrests. Like you feel, you feel a connection with them, even if you don't share a word, because you're basically sharing the same sofa with them. True. Okay. Okay. And And tables, what's the, what's the, the metaphor for a table? So do you mean like a coffee table, like in a living room or in the kitchen? No, I'm more talking about like tables in our, in our kitchens or our hearth rooms. Like, like we hold onto tables forever. Hmm. Yeah, you know I mean? well, like tables and sofas are the two things that we either get rid of quickly or we hold on like, oh, that's so-and-so's table from, or that was grandmother's table. And it seems like tables, coffee tables too, but it seems like the family table seems to be yes. represent, representing something that's monumental for how we all show up together. Yes, it's for celebration. It's for communion. Okay. And sharing a meal is is the most primal, um, it's like the most primal gathering, right? Okay. Like that's where, when you, when you would walk into a hut, you would see the place to sleep and the place to eat. You wouldn't necessarily see, you know, like that's how we gathered. We gathered around a meal together. And okay. so having, yeah. having those moments shared with a meal and the conversation and the tenderness and like the movie, like water for chocolate, like all of our emotions, when we're preparing a meal for loved ones, our emotions, our thoughts are, are part of that alchemy. And so in that process of making a meal and sharing a meal with those that we love, there's a, there's an invisible exchange and an invisible, um, display of love and devotion. And I think it's timeless, right? Because for generations, like humans, this is how we came together 
is we'd be working out in the field or, or hunting out in the woods or whatever, but we come back to share a meal and that's where the laughter was and that's where the sharing took place. And so um, yeah. I'd never really yeah. thought about it that before. So I'm really glad you, you asked that question. Well, it just kept popping up as you kept talking about the sofa and, and how that's the first thing to go or the first thing to come, you know? And I was like, okay, there's also a table symbol here that keeps popping into my head of, I think these are synonymous sofas and tables to our family dynamic and how we show up in our homes and how we are represented in our home. And and not that I'm saying we have to eat around a table because I don't actually mean, I think it's metaphorical for, mm, yes. do you have a table metaphor for how you show up? Do you have um, not a standard or expectation or rule because that gets in the way, but do you have a process or a flow to everyone knows this is how we show up. This is who we are. This is how we show up. Yeah, it, it is. It's primal and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a ritual. And one, uh, one thing that's really amazing, like what the one thing that's throughout our home is that we have these routines that happen, whether it's having a meal or brushing our teeth, but when we have an intention, that routine becomes a ritual. And so yeah. I, we have these unspoken intentions when we prepare a meal and everyone gathers to eat. There's this unspoken value and intention of, of family and nourishment and honoring each other. Um, and so I think that's why these, these certain pieces, and I, like I said, I love that you brought up the, the kitchen table or the dining table because it speaks so much more to function. It speaks to mm-hmm. connection and human experience and mm-hmm. sustenance and celebration. Yeah. And so um, there's a great book by Christopher Alexander called A Pattern Language, and he speaks to the marriage bed and how much intention um, can be put into creating this marriage bed together. And I feel like the same is true with what you brought up with the dining table and the kitchen table is this, this legacy and this um, intention being infused into this space. And it doesn't matter how often you eat there. It matters of the intention that that, that holds. Yeah. It's a symbol or a metaphor for, for who you are together. Yes. And at the risk, I, I, I'm a little nervous to say this, but, you know, in modern homes right now, the, the official dining room is, is being taken out of floor plans because we're not, we're not necessarily having that, that need anymore. It's becoming a little bit outdated, I think, in a lot of ways. And I think we can still carry it into the home. But I just, it's just an interesting observation that, um, well, yeah, because dining rooms. my dining room is now my office, right? Because we weren't using it as a dining room. So again, making sure that our home is being used in a flow that speaks for us. And I love that you said that because I think it's like, okay, wait, maybe we're not as formal about the formality of how we show up. We don't need that anymore. We need more of a organic, sacred way of showing up mm-hmm. that really will stand the test of time. 
not, and I'm totally going off of a flow that's just flowing in, but the dining room sort of represent a false sense of showing up. Yes, it was the they were so barn. fancy and we had to dress up and we had to use the formal dishes. And I think that the shift in consciousness is around, we don't need to show up as false. We need to show up in our truth, which is, you know, where are you being whole as a family dynamic? And how does that represent, how is that representative in all the aspects of your home, the bedrooms, the kitchen, the living room, you know, even when you take your home on vacation and you, you share another home. I mean, I know when my family goes on vacation, I'm looking for places like, does it have a big kitchen table and living area? Because we all congregate there, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and then second concern is, is there a bed for everyone? Because again, everyone, you know, that's that vulnerability for everyone to show up in those spaces. So I think that it's, it's evolving. Like our homes are evolving to meet us in the consciousness that we're shifting into. Absolutely. I love that. Yes, absolutely. Holy smokes. This has been the most fun I've had talking to people in (laughs) such a long time. I'm so glad it was a blast for me too. I feel like there are lots of rabbit holes we could go down together. Oh, we could probably sit and keep talking forever, but I am like cognizant of our time. And I know that I'm, I, I respect that in a lot of people. Um, so how can people find your work? So I have, um, my website is school of holistic design.com. Okay. I am also on Instagram, um, at school of holistic design. And so those are the two primary places where people can find me. Okay. Um, yeah. Awesome. Perfect. And I know you have, um, courses and, and access to how you help people and you even are offering our audience listeners something. So share with that, share that. Yes. So it is, it's, it's remind and redesign. It's the mental reset and it takes you room by room through every space in your home. And it, tells you how that room is associated with your internal home. And we address the eight different types of clutter. So one type is physical clutter, but then there are lots of other types. And so we really do this deep dive into our space, our external home and our internal home. And it's set up as a 12 week, a 12 week program, but you can take it at your own pace. Most people take um, longer than that. And I'm, the, the, I'm getting exceedingly exciting, um, feedback and how people's lives are changing. And oh, beautiful. Yeah. What happens is once you go through this, then you understand the language of home and then you're able to see your home with new eyes. And Mm -hmm. so you it's intuitive and you're able to do it on your own. And so for your listeners, I have a 40% discount, um, with a coupon code called, um, liminal 40. Okay. And they'll get 40% we will put that off. in the show notes. So look for our show notes, both on my website and um, wherever you're listening to, to this, to this podcast. So beautiful. Thank you so much. My, I'm sure that those, I will say following Kim is like amazing. And I, I continually learn from her and I'm inspired to just take a look at my stuff differently when you just offer certain insights or questions or, you know, curiosities, I guess you could say. 
you just, well, you just offer it in a way that's very warm and friendly and inviting. And I appreciate that. Oh, thank you for saying that. I appreciate the feedback. And thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with your community. I had a, I had so much fun. It was so much fun. Now I'm going to like ask you our little high five questions because we want to get to know you in a little different way. Okay. Um, what, what really inspires you? You probably, we probably can tell, but we'll let you tell us. You know, what inspires me? I, I like nature. Like I go to nature every time, like whatever happens when I'm alone in nature, like that, I can be in any mood, but being alone yeah. in nature and have making space for what comes that inspires me. Oh, I'm, I'm getting better and better with that. That's not something I was brought up with, but I am learning to release to there is a natural rhythm and it does speak to my soul. And I need to acknowledge that piece that's calling me. So I, I, I love that you say that. How do you have fun? Oh my gosh. My kids, my kids, um, are, are always fun. Like, I don't know if I'm ever going to let them leave home because <laughs> how many kids do you have? I have two, I have an 11 year old and a 15 year old. Oh, those are fun ages. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I have one out of the house, one that's almost out of the house and two that will be out of the house soon. So, I mean, They'll probably all be back at some point, but it's funny when you say that I may never let them go. <laughs> I heard nature has a plan for me to get over that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, believe me at this point, enjoy this moment because you're soon on the cusp, you're on the edge of, uh, oh yeah, there's, <laughs> there are these years that like just this morning, I was like, oh how long until you go to school? Because there are these moments that I think present themselves because your spaces together, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all this are needing to kind of start to, you know, evolve in different directions. And, and it's all beautiful. And it, there's so much fun in it. And there's so much pain and hurt in it as well. I'm not going to negate that part. But yeah, it will just, don't worry. That, that will, <laughs> you have, will take care of itself. Okay. And you just enjoy it for the ride that it is. Okay. Because it, it can be a lot of fun and it can be a lot of terror at the same time, but why not have both, you know? <laughs> yeah. What other way is there in our life? Oh my gosh. As long as I keep my sense of humor, I think it'll be okay. Well, okay. That is the one thing. If someone says, how did you get through? It's like with a sense of humor, like, you know, in the moment, with them, I might be looking a little bit, you know, off my rocker at times. And then other times I start to just laugh about the, the antics and how hilariously like we're bobbleheads, you know, we're just all like, <laughs> and, and, and kind of like a pinball machine. You know what I mean? Like there's a focus, there's a direction, there's an orchestration. And then there are just those moments where you don't know who in the heck or what the heck you're all gonna be bobbling into. It just and if you can't like just laugh, I mean, I, here's an example I'll give you when you talk about homes. So we let my daughter take a friend on our family vacation this past summer. And she was like, she was giving us all these directives, not to fight, not to raise our voice, not to do this, not to do that. And I was like, sweetheart, I mean, there's going to be eight of us in this space. We are bound to have some roly poly moments together. <laughs> And we don't care. It, it happens. Like, and, and now the joke is 
everyone's waiting for the moment when everyone blows up over some stupid thing that happened. And then we all laugh and we go, well, it wouldn't be vacation if we weren't blowing up about something, whether it's traffic or somebody couldn't get in somewhere or, you know, we're late somewhere. Somebody's late getting up and they don't arrive on, you know, there's always a moment. So um, I believe it's, it's sort of like we've, again, taking us back to sofas and tables. We created this metaphor of here we are together in unison and unit in union together. And we are willing to take that outside of our home and just still be ourselves because we know we can come back home and have that truth within us. Yeah. And loving beautiful, messy, like having that beautiful, messy and, and like loving that. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've never been shy about here's, here's where, here's who we are. We're we're just not going to let it go. (laughs) I love it. Okay. What's one thing you can't live without besides your kids? Cause we know that you said you can't live without. Yeah. I, um, and I don't want to say nature again. Um, gosh, my morning journals, like I do morning pages Yes, and that that's like how I connect with my inner, my inner being. And that's where those conversations and inspirations come where I can purge the mess Mm -hmm. and then make space for the, the incredible. So journaling, like that is one thing, like I have a stockpile of journals and pens. So if we ever are locked down again, I have my journal and my pens to keep me sane. (laughs) Okay. So here's a little wickedness here. Are you like a colored pen person or a certain pen? Cause like, I'm a weirdo that likes the certain pen that I can only get at a Walgreens. I cannot find it anywhere else. And it's got a certain like medium sized ball. I mean like, but I also like colored stuff because I'm a little crafty like that. So what's the inner secret there with your pens? I'm just going to say, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and you can figure out the answer for yourself. And I don't know if you're a Virgo, but I'm a Black. No, I'm like a weirdo Pisces, but I have all these little dorky quirks. My kids are like, mom, what is this? Like the other night I was organizing my desk and I have all these file folders and my daughter goes, you have a pattern. Everything is gold and pink and navy. And, and if you look at my website, it's the same, like, like I can't get beyond. There's just things that call to me. And I've, this is how I, I live my life. What calls to me. And half the time, I don't even know why I'm buying something other than whoo, it just spoke to me. Okay. I'm going to buy it. It may be a book, an item of clothing. And then, and then I might even be giving it away at some point. Like, I don't know. I just operate like that. So I have all these little inner quirkies. That's why I ask questions. No, I'm with you, sister. Okay, love that. Um, what are you grateful for? Jeez, this will make me cry, but um, I'm so grateful for every single thing that knocks me down. Like that. You're speaking to my heart today, girl. If it weren't for getting knocked down and having to hit, so many rock bottoms that were really just false floors. I wouldn't be me. Like I, yeah, there's a quote that um, someone wrote that I love. And it's like something like everything that I earned has claw marks on it. Um, Mm -hmm. And that I could say a few bad words, but I'm really thankful for those mother truckers. You know what, on this website, just go ahead and say motherfucking stuff that happened was the best damn thing that ever happened to me. 
Yeah, every I, scar, every I black mean, eye. Um, I think that's just the essence of even what this podcast means or what I believe our life is, is, is just relinquishing control over and allowing and accepting. And, and I think this is a beautiful way to end this conversation today. It's also because if we can accept our outer landscapes, the experiences that come, the people that come, the reasons they come, the reasons why they begin and they end, the reasons why we outgrow our houses, the reasons why we want it developed or looking a certain way. If we can just accept it all and then move with it and allow it to evolve and gain some wisdom along the way, that's really, we're, we're just here to like raise our own consciousness all the time, raise and evolve ourselves into to more courageous, more brave, more bold, more authentic and allowing all of that to me speaks volumes to the wealth of life, like the abundance of this, this beautiful existence that we have. And I know some may be listening and thinking, choose law for a rocker again today. I am, cause I'm feeling lately a lot about the purpose of having a safe haven to come home to, which is mm. why I think in the midst of everything, having a home that speaks to every part of who you are the duality of there's a room that I can go to that I can just let my emotions be free. There's a room that I can go to, to just be intimate with my vulnerability and allow those emotions to go. There's a room that I can go to where laughter is so abundance and, and, and not getting so wiped down by the rules and aesthetics in terms of like what other people are saying to you, but let your home speak to you so that you can create the safe haven there. Yes. Yes. I love everything that you said and letting life sort of have its way with us. And, and, and what you said about having a place where we can pause and let ourselves feel what we're feeling. So we mm -hmm. can just let it wash through us because when we do that, then we're creating space for the next thing. Yes. Um, yes. And, yeah. And our home is our, our companion. That's, that's holding all of that for us. If we allow it. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kim, for coming on today. This has been a brilliantly beautiful eyes, heart wide open kind of conversation. I've loved every, every bit of it. Truly. Thank you for your Me time. As well. Thank you, Christy. And listeners, thank you for being with us today. I really appreciate it. Um, remember who you are. Brave your confidence. Radically be bold in every aspect of your life. You're beautiful. I love you. Peace out, my friends. Thank you again for being here with us today. I know that there are a million things that we are all doing every day. And the simple fact that you are here with us today, I am so very appreciative. Did you enjoy the show today? Did you have an aha? If you did, leave a comment or email me at christy at christypeck.com. We love to read your thoughts, your insights, and your wisdom. Have any questions for us? We provide the show notes. You can email me at christy at christypeck.com. Or if you're listening on the Anchor app, you can leave a voice comment or a question. If you are ready and interested to explore coaching or looking for ways to learn with me, go to my website at www.christypeck.com, where you will find all kinds of good opportunities. I'm on Instagram and Facebook, 
again, thank you, thank you, thank you. Peace out, my friends.